Hey, Kate. Yeah? Do we give legal advice on this podcast? Oh, gosh, no. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, an appropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. I'm the human resources director. Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. Hello, and welcome to the Hostile Work Environment Podcast. My name is Mark Alifans. I'm here with my always co-host, Kate Bischoff. It's been howdy. about a... Howdy. How, it's been about a month. Uh, and in, you know, we had it, we, we, we were people, we can take breaks too. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, it's, it's middle of March, uh, and I have one burning question for you. Uh, oh, okay. How are your brackets doing? Uh, so this is probably the first year that I have not done a bracket. No. Yeah, I have not done a bracket mostly because I have I haven't had the time to keep up with where everyone's at and what's happening on all of the fronts. Um, I I understand though that everyone's back bracket is busted, um, and that we've got COVID problems with is it Oregon State? Oregon, or, Oregon, Oregon. Okay. I, I- like okay, I mean, sorry, Virginia Commonwealth. I mean, it totally sucks, and I feel I really feel bad for the players. But like, free pass to the round of thirty-two. Go Oregon! <laughs> oh yeah, is that the Beavers? Right, go Beavers! No, no, that's Oregon State. Oregon's okay. the Ducks. Oregon State won though; they had an upset, yes. uh, and they won. And so both both of the Oregon big Oregons will be in in the second round, which is awesome. Well, well congratulations. I think um, I will say I don't normally like basketball, but I do get caught up in the stories of March Madness. That's what um, me and too. I find, yes, and my, one of my friends was so gracious that when the Final Four was in Minneapolis, he got me two tickets, and so I could I could watch the games on the Final Four, and that was pretty amazing. And stand in the room with Charles Barkley. I mean, it's a very large room, but I'm a big Barkley fan. So, you know, being able to stand, like, there he is over there. So, yeah, that was cool. That is cool. I've been to the first and second round games a couple of times. Uh, I saw Allen Iverson play in the – that dates me a little bit. Allen Iverson play for Georgetown in the tournament way back when. Uh, And then I've I've been to a couple games here in in Portland over the years when they – when we host the first and second rounds, never the final four though. Only, the, but I like those early rounds with the small teams that you've never heard of, and yeah, and like the they get super central, stoked just to be there. Yeah. yeah, remember the Cinderella story of like Central Florida something something, right. yeah, and like they were like they got to the Sweet Sixteen or the Elite Eight or something like that, and it was just amazing. And I'm like, I like that story of the right. of the kid who's got the you know life that's not great, but basketball's really showing it thing for him like that's what i like what i really don't like is how the ncaa is treating women this time around with the half-assed weight room the bad equipment now they put up like somebody characterized it as apology lighting so that the weight room looks cooler just i don't like that i think there's a title nine problem for the ncaa yeah uh and i mean i (laughs) i i wouldn't go so far as to say i like how they've treated women in the past either (laughs) true but uh, but you're right, and uh, one thing I, I think that almost everybody can agree on uh, is we love this tournament, 
we do not love the NCAA. Fair. Absolutely fair. All right. So, um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm excited. I, I wouldn't say my bracket's busted. I just, there are some really fun, cool upsets in that first round. Um, but someone who is busted, you're about to talk about. That's yes. a transition. Do you like my transition? Oh, I see. I see. Or like somebody who likes who? busty. Like, like, like oh, you could go either way on that. He, he, I could. He's, he's I could. being busted for bustiness. For not his own. Bustiness. Not, yeah, his, not own his own bustiness. You know, no, but there is that thing with him where the nipple ring, we could see it through the shirt. So there is bustiness with he's, he's got that our main character. For, or, for him? I don't know. <laughs> Our, our main antagonist today is Governor Andrew Cuomo. So, yeah, if, oh, if you've paid any attention to the news over the past year, there has been a roller coaster of fandom for Governor Cuomo. At one point, there was a group of people called the Cuomo Sexuals because they loved his daily press briefings about COVID 19. They okay. don't. They don't love the fact that he held back death numbers at nursing homes. That's a massive scandal. But the reason he is making an appearance today on the hostile work environment is his treatment of women. And currently, we have somewhere between six and nine women, depending on how you count, who have come forward with allegations of harassment at the hands of Governor Cuomo, who claims that he is outside of the political elite, despite the fact that he grew up in it. And I mean, you, has you been, can't have the name Cuomo in New York and call yourself outside of the political elite. Right. I'm outside the political elite. Never mind, I'm driving over my dad's bridge. Right? Like, so he has grown up in it, and he has been a member of politics for as long as I can remember, um, including holding very high office in the federal government as well. So we have a, and I will say, admittedly toned down. There are no allegations of rape here, unlike Harvey Weinstein, but we have some of the same tactics where the Governor's office is leaking personnel files, trying to discredit uh, an out person making allegations. Um, you can find that in a not uncharacteristic Ronan Farrow article in The New Yorker, um, who goes through Ms. Boylan's claims and then some other claims that have come up as well. You also have letters. We've got threats to people that she worked with. Um, and some pretty crazy allegations. So I'm going to go through them because individually, I don't know if they'd rise to the level of legal claim that would serve, that make it past summary judgment. But together, this is one hell of a group of allegations. Okay. So right. we have making, we have bullying behavior. We have making fun of a woman's haircut to the point where she cried. We have touching lower back, touching arms, arms around people. We have staring at legs, staring at necklines. We've got comments like, you look like sisters, but you're the prettier one. Uh, Requests to play strip poker. When one person was standing next to a dog, the dog was jumping up and down, and he said, I'd want to mount her too, just like the dog seems to want to mount her. 
Referring to two women as the mingle mamas, there's an allegation that he groped a breast and in response, like, well, who are you going to tell? This is the governor. And lots of paternalistic and evasive physical touching. Um, and my favorite part of this allegations is his attorney. Because his attorney in a New York Times article that came out on Friday, Rita Glavin, his attorney, said that uh, the governor has greeted men and women with hugs and a kiss on the cheek, forehead, or hand. Okay? So I get a hug. And in lots of ways, I get hugs. I am a hugger myself, but I get the hug. I might even get a kiss on the cheek with someone that you're familiar with. If anybody kisses me on my forehead who is not dating me, that is a problem. And no one better be kissing my hand either. And her admission, I think, rises this to the level of there is credible allegations of harassment that are going to need to be dealt with. And the Tish James who is the attorney general for the state of New York has appointed an investigator to investigate the claims and we'll see what happens from there. So what do you think? Oh, well, my first thought here is as the defense attorney, right, is to say, well, if he's kissing the foreheads and hands and cheeks of men and women, it's not on the Uh, basis of sex case dismissed. The classic, the equal opportunity, equal opportunity harasser. harasser. Yeah, yeah, no, right. And and uh, though you know, in, in all, in all, obviously, I'm kidding. But you know, in you know, <laughs> the, the the image that evokes too is I'm trying to picture. You know, how many people did did Cuomo? How many men uh, did he kiss their foreheads? Yeah, or kiss their hands. Like, I'm trying to imagine, okay, now, you and Dennis meeting where Dennis grabs your hands and gives it a kiss. I mean, it really should, since you work for Dennis now. It should be the other way around, where you should be kissing Dennis's hand. Who says I don't? (laughs) I hope Dennis listens to this (laughs) so much. Uh, I love you, Dennis. (laughs) But still, like, I can't imagine going up and kissing someone on the forehead. And there's the picture of him at the wedding holding the woman by her face. And she's got this terrified look on her face. Like, you don't touch people like that. No. I, I don't get it. So, but I do understand there that there is a huge amount of controversy about whether or not he should resign. Every major Democratic elected official from New York including Schumer, Gillibrand, de Blasio, and a whole bunch of other people have all called for his resignation and he is refusing to resign. Now there is, as someone who is a constituent of former Senator Al Franken, I understand the desire to analyze this as a parallel to Al Franken and don't we wish we still had Al. Well, let me tell you, I think Tina Smith is better than Al and I'd rather be able to have this position of purity from a sexual harassment standpoint. Without having to ask the question. Yeah. Right. Without having to have this debate. And, and I, 
truly believe that people make mistakes. I may compliment someone's shoes and they might think I'm hitting on them. I get that. But this conduct doesn't rise to that level. This conduct, when we're talking about a boob grab and we're talking at admission of kissing people, then I think we're at a point where it's no longer questionable, no longer need for the quote unquote thorough investigation. It's time for him to go, in my opinion. Right. And it may not it may not amount to a legally actionable thing for any of these individuals because it may not rise right. to the level on an individual basis. But when you add it all up, right, with on the continuum of harassment uh here yep. where, where there's nothing <laughs> on one end and Trump on the other hand, uh, you know, and you've got you've got Franken closer closer to the light side and you've got Cuomo kind of smack in the middle here. Middle. Um yep. just because Trump uh didn't didn't succumb to to this for for reasons, uh, though obviously he should have in so many ways. Uh, mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that that Cuomo shouldn't, nor that Franken shouldn't have when that happened. Um, right. Uh, and you know, uh, ev- as you said, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has a past uh, and mm-hmm. things that they've done. Uh, and but you know, you you still have to if you're going to be in a position of power like this and a public figure. Uh, it's a different standard. It absolutely is a different standard. I and I and not a legal for, standard that we're talking about here, right? And I think altogether, I mean, certainly, if there is one woman, um, and I won't say her name because I I wish her to stay as anonymous as she wants to, even though her name is out there. Um, she's a current aide, and so she, her claims are still good, and all of these other claims are relevant to hers. Um, so I, I think there yeah. may be a legitimate claim there. Yeah, sorry, I'm not that. trying to say there is no claim. I'm right. trying to, you know, it's just, it may or may not, but that's mm-hmm. not the point. Right. At the it's moment. It's the point of, you are a leader, you should be setting the tone. And if this is the tone that you're comfortable with, well, then that's not what the rest of us are comfortable with. And I don't know if that gives you a good position to which to govern from. So... I'd argue it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. So do you got something more fun for us? Oh, Mark? so much. I have so much fun. Yay. All right. Um, so when we were when we were prepping here beforehand, I, I mentioned I was going to talk about this. And I'm so excited that you don't know what I'm about to tell you about. Uh, because this was pretty this, – this came across in the news, and we got several pings about it um, when it happened. And so – uh, that you missed it makes me very happy uh, <laughs> because you actually don't know. So Kate doesn't know other than the the broad theme here, what we're about to talk about on this one. Um, Kate, do you, do you like fast food, Chinese food? Not generally, but I love some Chinese food, but Pan- Panda Express. Uh, I did when my body could tolerate it. My body can't <laughs> tolerate it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, fair. Um, <laughs> well, uh, Panda Express has been in the news over the last couple of weeks. Okay. So, uh, lawsuit filed by a former Panda Express cashier. I'm trying to remember where this was, but I'm not seeing it in the article. Um, uh, she claims that during a four-day seminar in 2019... Uh, run by a group called Alive Seminars and Coaching Academy, she and other Panda Express uh, workers uh, 
were forced to do some pretty bad things. Uh, she says that Panda Express management pushed her to attend the seminar and that she was told by her supervisor that in order to be considered for promotion, she needed to complete a self-improvement seminar run by a live seminar. So she paid several hundred dollars of her own money for the four-day program. Uh, the complaint alleges that a live seminars has a close association with Panda Express. Uh, and she notes that at the seminar she participated in, every person there was a Panda Express employee. Um, she okay. says the seminar more and more resembled a cult initiation ritual as time went on. Um, and this isn't the first time a company has been caught up in the strange practices of self-improvement workshops. Uh, I believe there was right. a Lululemon case uh, situation that came out a couple of years ago. But I'm going to read a little bit from her complaint here. Um, uh, from the beginning, the Panda sponsored a live seminar was bizarre and quickly devolved into psychological abuse. At the start, the attendees were told to sit down and not talk and were left in eerie isolation for a full hour before a man stormed in, yelling in Spanish and berating the attendees for sitting there and doing nothing, when that's exactly what they'd been instructed to do. The man, who was an Alive Seminars employee, loudly proclaimed that the attendees are nothing and don't matter, rounding on some people to berate them individually, spittle flying. I love the, the this I, is in I'm the complaint. I'm sorry. They didn't join the army, right? Right, right. Self-improvement okay. seminar. But <laughs> okay. but I love it's I love a it's not boot camp. Uh, okay. And I, I just but I just love an attorney that'll write in a complaint like little details like spittle flying. <laughs> the overall effect was that of a partially nasty drill sergeant yelling in her face. It became apparent almost immediately that the goal of the seminar staff was to isolate and intimidate her and the other attendees. The attendees were prohibited from using their cell phones. There was no clock in the room. The doors and windows were all covered with black cloth. The atmosphere what? resembled less of a self-improvement seminar than a site for off-the-books interrogation of terrorist suspects. The sensory <laughs> isolation and intimidation was reinforced by constant yelling and verbal abuse by seminar staff creating an atmosphere of fear in the room. On Friday, July 12th, 2019, plaintiff was forced to participate in an exercise where seminar attendees were to pretend that they are on a sinking ship and only four of them get to live. Each participant in turn was then informed by their peers whether they would live or die. Meanwhile, seminar staff continued to yell abuse to the effect that nobody will care if plaintiff or the other participants live or die because they don't stand out sufficiently. <gasps> the next day, uh, the worker alleges that she and other participants were forced to undress under the guise of okay. trust building. Uh, while what? Alive... Was what? 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 Yeah. yeah, yeah. Gonna... All okay. while the seminar staff were laughing and filming them. <gasps> what? They were quote, filming them? Quote from the complaint. The exercise culminated when plaintiff, along with, the other, with other participants, had to take turns standing up to yell about their inner struggles until everybody else in the group believed them. The last male participant had some difficulty convincing the others and as a result broke down in tears. Plaintiff was told to stand up and go to the middle of the room with the male participant where they were forced to hug it out 
wearing nothing but their underwear. <gasps> no. Plaintiff was humiliated, but did as she was yeah. told. Yeah. Yeah, right? Um, so I'm going to leave it there. Again, this is a complaint. These are allegations. Allegations. Um, so we're not saying that this is true or that Panda Express did this specifically, but it is on the complaint. Uh, and it's pretty darn detailed compared to a lot yeah. of the complaints I get, which are just employer harassed me and no facts to go along with it. This is very detailed. Um, obviously, even if it's a third true, an eighth true, a tenth true, highly inappropriate, yeah, uh, completely unacceptable. But I have some questions, Kate. Okay. So I pulled up the complaint here, uh, which is brought under California state law. So sorry, this was in California. Um, okay. And I know that neither you nor I are California attorneys, uh, and this is all under California code, but let's extrapolate with our general knowledge. So she brings a complaint for uh, sexual battery, hostile work environment harassment based on sex and gender, Failure to prevent harassment in violation of uh, FIHA, which is California's mm -hmm. code. Uh, constructive discharge in violation of public policy. And intentional infliction of emotional distress. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. Uh, two main questions I've got here. So first, before we get to those claims. This was a seminar put on by a live whatever, a live coaching, seminars and coaching. It was mm -hmm. not put on by Panda Express. Mm -hmm. Is Panda, but Panda Express is the, is, you know, they're both named as defendants, but Panda Express is named in all of these claims. Is Panda Express on the hook for a third party that does this? They absolutely could be if they directed her to go to it. I think the fact that, and I think I got this right, she paid for it herself. She paid for it herself. Uh, she claims uh, that uh, she wanted a promotion, and she was told if you want by by a local manager, if you want a promotion, this is what you have to do to get it. So, if now, a manager and, said and that, and to be fair, Panda, I believe I read is is completely denying that that is a condition of promotion. Um, whether or not uh, that's true or not. I don't know whether they're saying that this manager never said it because the manager for purposes of the law is, is the company. The org. Yeah. Right. So, yes. So if it was mandatory or non-mandatory makes a difference here uh, mm -hmm. in your mind as to whether uh, there'd be third party effectively third party or that, that, that Panda would be on the hook for a third party's acts. Well, I think even if it's recommended, and not a requirement. I think there's still the argument that they are a third party agent and Panda Express is working through them, particularly with the facts that everyone else in the room was from Panda Express. That it looks bad. Um, so, I mean, I think it's going to need, it's definitely going to need some fact development. Right. But uh, I think there, there might be enough there to put Panda on the hook for it. There might be. And I think it's a really fascinating issue when we're not going to delve into too much more deeply, but, um, you know, depending on how that fact development comes out, uh, I think that that's a path for Panda to try to get out of this lawsuit to say, we, yes, we contracted with them. 
we've we've seen the materials. This is not what the materials have. This is not our expectation of what was happening here. Is that enough to get them out of it? I don't know. It's a good question, right? It's yeah. it, because we're not talking about course and scope here in the same way we would between trying to disclaim the acts of a manager who's acting on behalf of the company. Here, it's a third party kind of acting on behalf of the company. Yeah. It's one more step removed. So I don't know that the same standard applies. I think it's a fascinating element, and it's certainly one, if I were Panda Express's lawyers, I'd be looking at and trying to get them out of the case here. Um, yes. Putting that aside, assuming that, yes, they're in the <laughs> case and they're, they're on the hook for anything that happened. Let's go through those claims. I mean, I'm, I'm curious for your take based on what we read. Um, okay. So uh, the first one sexual was sexual battery. battery, which is not a normal kind of employment no. claim that we that we talk about here. And I I feel like for myself, I'd want to see a little bit more um, uh, factual development again on that point. Right? They're stripping down underwear and forced yeah. hugging. That can and get pretty darn close. That can get pretty darn close. And I think depending on the jurisdiction you are in. Um, I know in Minnesota that you can have a separate sexual battery claim from a harassment claim, but I know that that's not universal across the country. So I I would assume, though, that that could exist separate and apart from the hostile work environment claim under California law. So, but that 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 can be a close question in many states because typically a state law will have an exclusivity provision built into it so that you can't have a claims that arise to harassment also be exist in all of the complaints. So right. that would be, I, that would be interesting. I would assume that in California you could have the claim separate, but I don't know that for sure. Yeah. Not, and neither do I offhand. Uh, side note, uh, podcast listeners, uh, if you want an interesting case uh, that has a sexual battery component to it, Go back, I think it's like the third episode, the Alarm 1 case that Dennis and I talked about with the uh, uh, Alarm uh, company manager where they um, they all had a hazing ritual that happened in the morning to get them psyched up where they would steal the lawn signs from competitors' uh, alarm <gasps> companies and then uh, spank each other with them. Mm. So, uh, and that has, we do, I think I do get into... Uh, she Whether. did bring a sexual battery claim. Uh, it seems open and shut, and it's anything but. Right. Uh, uh, no pun intended on the smacking <laughs> on the butt part. Um, all right. Uh, hostile work environment based on sex and gender. It's a, it's a similar question to what we had with, with Cuomo, in a sense. Uh, mm -hmm. She outlines very specifically that there is a male counterpart being humiliated in exactly the same way that she is. Yeah, How, is it on the basis is, is, so is any, any conduct like that going to rise the level uh, if regardless of whether it's targeted towards one, one gender or the other or one sex oh, or the other. I wish I had a quick, quick B answer to this, but I think, I think she wins on this claim, but the fact that men had to do it too, I, I, I don't think that's a necessarily a defense. Is, but is, I, is harassment still illegal if it's not based on a protected characteristic? I think in California it is. 
It might be. It might be. And, and to be fair, I think uh, neither I of think us are, are California attorneys. Um, but I don't think it's the best fact for her. I don't think it's the best fact for her, but it's also a fact. It gets her past summary judgment. I don't know. Is that an issue of fact or an issue of law? Whether she needs to specify. I think it's a, I think, I think it's a summary think judgment argument. To... I think it's an issue of law. We're asking about what the law is. Uh, you know, is. again, some of that's yeah. going to depend on the factual development here, whether we would make the argument or not, whether we write, but I, you know, I think that's, I think it's an, it's an argument of law. And I think at least on a federal level, um, again, I, I want to be clear here. We're lawyering right now. We're not talking about whether <laughs> this is okay or not. No, not okay. okay. There is no condoning of any any aspect of this going on here right now. I just, uh, but we are playing lawyer right now. Uh, right. And and I don't think I'd get laughed off the face of the earth for making that argument in a in a summary judgment motion. No, I don't think you get laughed off the face of the earth. Actually, I think I think, the... I, I think I have a good chance of winning it. And most, jurisdic- it most jurisdictions. Depends on your judge. Well, it depends on your judge. Depends on your jurisdiction. Depends on federal yes. law, law versus state law. But it's right there in in the title of of that part of the claim, based claim. on sex and gender. Well, and I think that it might break down on the fact that men and women's bodies are different. That so. that's an argument to be made in opposition of summary judgment, certainly. Oh man, that's a that's a great legal conundrum that's going to haunt me for the rest of the day. Right. Elvis. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to haunt you, <laughs> uh, but it is, it does expose what I think is an issue, uh, especially around I, sex harassment, right? I mean, other forms of harassment, right. Are, you know, you can have harassment based on any protected characteristic, but it still always has to tie to protected characteristic, which leaves open the possibility that there's effectively bad behavior that otherwise might be considered harassment that's not based on a protected characteristic and is that illegal or not mm-hmm. and under federal law i think the answer is not illegal terrible not something to be condoned not something something that probably violates half a dozen of your company policies if it doesn't uh call right. call myself or kate and we will help <laughs> you with your policies uh yes. but but illegal uh-huh. Interesting question, and, right? And also, just from a, a law firm business model, I don't know if I would be the firm that would want to take that on. Oh, but there's a million and of have them that defense. There's a million of no, them. No, I know, work. I know. But, but and, and without know. even blushing, without even remotely blushing. Oh, I guess, now, see, I would now to be time. fair, again, if I'm a lawyer doing that and I am zealously advo- you know, advocating on behalf of my client, I make the argument. What I have told that client, though, is settle this freaking claim, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Which, in my mind, if you settle and you settle for more, that's a win for that particular plaintiff. That is justice being done because that's how our system defines justice in this sense, which that's a whole other conversation whether that's right <laughs> or not. Yes. But uh, that is me trying to uh, work with my client to right a wrong in the way that our society has defined that you right the wrong. Uh, right. in that sense. And also like, don't do this again. Right. That's another way of writing right. the wrong and, and remediation. But, uh, so there's ways that we as defense attorneys, uh, would handle this before we feel like we have to make that argument, but I'd still make that right. argument. Um, uh, failure to prevent harassment. I think we covered that 
constructive discharge and violation of public policy. Is this a constructive discharge? Which do I think it rises to a level which that she would feel she could no longer reasonably do her job? Yeah. I think so. I think if your employer sends you someplace where they request that you walk around in your bra and undies, uh, yeah, I think it's a constructive discharge. Yeah, I think it's – so I'll, you're going to find that I almost never say it's constructive discharge. <laughs> yes. Right, because constructive – all right, just for our listeners, who uh, you know, it's been a while since we've talked about this. Constructive discharge is when uh, effectively my employer made the working conditions so intolerable and unreasonable and terrible uh, for me at work that – I had no choice, or a reasonable person would have no choice but to quit, yeah. right? Because usually if you quit your job, then you can't claim that somebody did something to you in your job. But here you're saying, I effectively was constructively discharged. They fired me by making my life so bad that they wanted me to, to, to quit, and, and they did this effectively on purpose as an intimidation and harassment tactic, right? Mm-hmm. Again, I think you could construct facts, uh, you know, an argument here on these facts that this is not constructive discharge, but I think this is, I think it's, I think this is far closer to that, to that very, very high standard. Like I've never had a constructive discharge claim get past summary judgment in any case I've ever worked on. Uh, (laughs) And as soon as I see constructive discharge in the complaint, I'm like, uh, and then let's go find out just how bad it was what my client was alleged to have done. Uh, and again, I haven't litigated for you know over ten years, so this is a long time ago. But yeah, but I think. But I this think is pretty the, bad. The, yeah, this is really bad. But th- if the other twenty people in the room went back to work the next day, that's going like to undermine that, an argument. That's going to undermine an argument. But I still think the shock factor alone it could be enough to yeah. at least get it past I, SJ to say that quite, this is a fact. Quite possibly. Quite possibly. Um, and then IIED, intentional infliction of emotional distress. I actually think that might be the best claim here. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Which is just I your general tort be... here. But, but uh, you know, yeah. and again, I think that's better against the live than it is against Panda. Uh, yeah, but, but I, I think, think it, I... it potentially goes against both. I, and I quite frankly think she's missing the negligent infliction of emotional yes. distress. Yes. Against I put Panda. Both. Because, yeah, because if, if, at the very least, Panda, if if my manager is recommending I go to this training and they didn't vet the training enough and this is what happened, I can say that probably is negligence. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I think I think a negligent, which isn't in there, and an in- intentional are both pretty darn solid claims here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Better than the other ones, actually. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that's Panda Express. I can't believe you missed that. I'm so happy you missed it, though. Oh, wow. <laughs> Next, I do like I have six trainings on my calendar for this week alone. I'm like, okay, now everybody get naked. <laughs> just trying to imagine right. what my clients would say. Uh, we trust you, Kate. <laughs> Promise, I will not ask people to get naked. Probably smart move, employment lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I've got another story here for you and i'm going to be a little less <laughs> less organized with this because uh, i only read this article just once but i thought it was an interesting uh an interesting question another interesting question so an article came out this is in bloomberg law uh this is back in january so this is a little this is a little older and I, but i just i just ran into this more recently um coca-cola 
big company mm-hmm. makes a drink uh, based out of Atlanta. Um, their general counsel, uh, and and I'll say this is this is uh, true to a lesser extent at lots of companies in hiring their outside lawyers are looking mm-hmm. to hire firms with diverse attorneys, so yes. that it's not just white attorneys working on all of their matters. Uh, and I think that's a laudable goal. That is something that that mm-hmm. more companies should be doing. Uh, I know my law firm has a huge push for. Uh, bringing on diverse candidates, and I just participated in a diversity job fair last week. Uh, and so, this is something that that many law firms are uh, are looking to do uh, to mm-hmm. increase diversity in their workplaces, uh, and that clients are looking for that as well. So, it's business driven; should also just be person driven. Uh, mm-hmm. So, Coke. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Capitalism rearing its helpful head at yes. this particular case. Yes, yes for once. Um, uh, so Coke uh, has set a pretty high standard on this, which is now that it is now forcing outside counsel to staff at least 30% of new matters with diverse attorneys, with at least half of that billable time going to black lawyers in particular, which is very specific. Um, very specific. Uh, their GC says that he hopes to increase the overall diverse billable hour staffing requirement to 50% within the next couple of years. Um, Coke is making a pretty rare statement, though, by saying that they're going to withhold payments from (gasps) firms that aren't doing that. And they're specifically looking to elevate black lawyers. Uh, so commentator here in this Bloomberg article says this is definitely going further than what we've historically seen. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, while many firms, uh, that do Coke's work have expressed support, uh, it may be a difficult standard for many to meet, uh, and, uh, could lead to some problems. And so the problems, and this came to us, um, from our listener and very good friend of the podcast, Aaron Weiss, who tweeted it at us, mm. uh, uh, last week, um, uh, the Powerline blog, which I know nothing about, um, and an author, Paul Mirengoff, uh, says that this requirement is in of itself illegal discrimination. Okay. I, I think the withholding payment may be unlawful. Okay. Setting the requirement might not be. Yeah. So let's, let's you know what pick I mean? those. Like, I, well, and for very different reasons, right? Withholding yeah. the payment may just be a contractual issue. Um, as Well, or do you think in, that, in that, Minis- that? I think that's, so in Minnesota, we have uh, no discrimination in business contracting portion of our Human Rights Act, mm-hmm. where if I'm not going to contract you with you because you are black, that is a standalone claim under our, our Minnesota Human Rights Act. I think that's where you get the damages to suffice the claim is the withholding the payment because you didn't meet this requirement that we have. I don't necessarily know that just having the requirement is going to be enough to create the claim. But once you've got the damages portion, because you're not paying it, I think that's where the claim develops, not just having the requirement. Do you see what I mean? Like there's a distinction. I mean, if you chose not to hire the firm because they were all white, 
then maybe that is arises, but you have to have the actual action of the damage to create that. Yeah. So what he says here in this, in this uh, blog post is, you know, it, and I'm quoting here, and I don't know if he's a lawyer or not, except in, in very limited circumstances, it is illegal for an employer to make hiring, staffing, and assignment decisions based on race. Okay. Duh. Uh, it is mm-hmm. also illegal for a company to require its contractors to do so. If a company demanded that law firms staff its matters with only white attorneys, no one would deny the illegality of the mandate. True. I think that's fair. Right. And then I'm skipping down here to another part here where he gets into the law a little bit, uh, which I found interesting. So before law firms uh, or sorry, before firms lawfully should even think about making hiring, staffing and assignment decisions based on race or ethnicity. And before their clients can unlawfully demand this, uh, there must be clear evidence of past racial discrimination by law firms. Under a 1970, right, so under a 1979 Supreme Court decision, United Steelworkers, discrimination can be justified to eliminate manifest racial imbalances in traditionally segregated job categories, where the, uh, where the plan is a temporary measure and it is not intended to maintain racial balance, but simply to eliminate a manifest racial imbalance. In absence of any reference to or showing of past or present discrimination in the relevant history is fatal to a racially racially discriminatory program. Uh, And he then goes on to say, Koch's letter cites no past or present discrimination in the legal industry. Well, that's BS. uh, (laughs) You're with me here. All right, so... (laughs) So it, it does not point to any manifest imbalances in black representation of the law firms it utilizes, and it does not tie its discriminatory program to any measure, reasonable measure of imbalance. Uh, nor, of course, does Koch suggest that it has a history of selecting law firms in a racially discriminatory manner. Finally, Koch's letter does not describe a temporary measure. The letter describes a quota regime of indefinite duration. I'll, I'll stop there. I could read more. But I think he undoes his own reasoning there. Yes. Right. And and yes, there's there's United Steelworkers, right? And that, it, but it's basically saying that it's okay to do this to undo past discrimination. And mm-hmm. the entire point of the first article I read is that there's underrepresentation here relative to the population at large. Right, that's both in the law, like legal industry, and at law firms, and in the selection process, and we're mm-hmm. trying to undo that. Mm-hmm. So, at best for me, this is disingenuous analysis. Uh, yes, and and while I walked into the question, not remembering my United Steelworkers and all of that, I read this article where he's making the opposing point of view, saying this is discriminatory, and convinced me of the opposite. Hmm. <laughs> yep. Now, I think I I am worried about the withholding payment, mm-hmm. but I think it I don't have any problems with demanding that, you know, it's like when I'm, you know, redoing my deck. OK, I don't want to hire someone who believes that marginalizing people is OK. So in fact, I'm going to be looking for for women or minority owned businesses wherever I can. Exactly. Exactly. And so to the extent I can do that, I want to do that. And that's what Coke is saying. It wants to say, we recognize there's been these long disparities. We have the power to do something about it because we are a, a white whale. We know that law firms want 
to represent us because we will generate a lot of money for them. And so we're going to say in return, you got to put people that represent your community on our cases. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I again, I'm a little concerned about the withholding the payment. Yeah. But I don't think there's anything wrong with putting that that pressure on a law firm to represent the community that they are in. Uh, agreed, a hundred percent. And and because we are a casual podcast where we plan and prepare <laughs> ten minutes before we go live, uh, neither of us have taken the time and energy to go and, and look into that non-payment question. Uh, right. And so uh, we will leave that out there as a as a possibility because we not, neither of us claim to know everything about employment law, no. uh, but at least it's good issue identification, uh, issue spotting. So uh, in any event, I thought both of those stories, you know, for for basic stories, presented some really mm-hmm. interesting legal questions. Well, and that's what's so great about employment law. I mean, we might get new legislation, but we still wrestle with the old stuff for mm-hmm. a long time. I and think this is Trevor the old Noah's- stuff. Yeah, I think Trevor Noah said something like, you know, Title Seven is like an iPhone. It comes out with new shit all the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I want to title, give him credit. Title, title 7.8, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like, well, you know, sexual orientation is protected. Gender identity is protected. Right, right. It's over 60 years old now. So it's or almost 60 years old. That's, you know, keeps on giving. Yeah, absolutely. So. Well, Kate... That's our episode for today. It was nice getting back together. It's been a month since we were hanging out and talking like this, and uh, and uh, we needed the break. But it, it was uh, I missed you, and I'm glad we got I to do you this. Too. Yes. Um, so, uh, Kate, before we go, uh, people already know how to find us because they're listening to us. But if they wanted to find you specifically, where uh, would they go? They would go to Twitter and go to K Eight Bish. B-I-S-C-H, and that would be my handle, or on LinkedIn, just, I'm Kate Bischoff, with the C, the super German way to spell it, but yes. And not Biscoff like the cookie. And not Biscoff like the cookie, yep. Which is delicious, Mm -hmm. but not you. You know what, and that is like one of the things I miss about, you know, people not traveling, is probably six times a year I got a, I'm eating your cookies on a plane message. To be fair, half of those were for me. (laughs) true because every time i'd be on the plane and i'd get the internet uh saying i'm gonna do work but mostly just so i can text you from the plane (laughs) so look at i got your cookies yeah i miss those messages from people who fly southwest and delta and alaska mm -hmm. alaska all Uh all biscoff on alaska there you go yeah uh popular yes on my end where can we yes uh at salad pants on the twitter uh, and, and Instagram, we don't, we never talk about Instagram, but that's, you can find me salad pants there too. Uh, and then you can find me Mark Alifans on LinkedIn, uh, or on the Bullard law website where I now have a very fancy profile and a, a very sexy new photograph. So. Huh? You characterized it that way. I did. I, I am confident. I'm so happy you're confident in your sexuality, Mark. I am. <laughs> the arms, the cockles of my heart. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Have a great week, everybody. If you have a story, hwepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. I, like my that. wife is the only one who emails us stories there. Uh, <laughs> and I'd like I'd like to get some more. So hwepodcast at gmail.com. All right. Yes. We'll let you all go. 
I'll let you go, Kate. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. I'll do my darndest. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.